The sometime uh, chaplain of Phillips Exeter, theologian, author, a man called Frederick Beekner, uh, has written this about the law. He said there are basically two kinds of law. First, law as the way things ought to be, and second, law as the way things are. An example of the first is no trespassing, and the example of the second is the law of gravity. God's law, he says, has traditionally been spelled out in terms of category number one, a compendium of do's and don'ts. These do's and don'ts are the work of moralists, and when obeyed, serve the useful purpose of keeping us from each other's throats. They can't make us human, but they can help keep us honest. God's law in itself, however, comes under category number two and is the work of God. It has been stated in seven words. Whoever does not love abides in death. Like it or not, that's how it is. If you don't believe it, you can always put it to the test, just in the way that if you don't believe in the law of gravity, you can step out of a tent-story window. <laughs> These two understandings of law, law as do's and don'ts, law as the way things are, uh, we, we hear both in our reading from Deuteronomy. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, just as he delighted in prospering your ancestors, when you obey the Lord your God by observing his commandments and decrees that are written in the book of the law. That's the do's and don'ts. It goes on, because you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That's the law of love. Fast forward to our inquisitive lawyer, our attorney, who asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Just think about that for a moment. He's asking what he must do to receive an inheritance, to receive a gift. It's, 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 how would you feel if your children came to you and said, hey, what must I do to inherit your money? You know, it's, it's sort of kind of like a weird question. It's, it's missing the point that the, that the inheritance is itself a gift in the first place. And, 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 and it's not about do's and don'ts. He, he knows the law. He knows the summary of the law. And Jesus said, yeah, you've got it right. Just go and do that. You'll be okay. And he's just not quite okay with that. Just not quite satisfied that doing the law, obeying the law and doing the, the moral right thing is actually getting him where he wants to go. And yet, he still wants that certainty. And so he goes on and wants to justify himself, which means get himself in right relationship with God by doing the right thing. He says, so, ah, Jesus, so, okay, I get the neighbor thing, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus then tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And the lawyer, again, gets the answer right, but perhaps doesn't quite get the point. The, the one who showed him mercy is the one who is the neighbor. He, and that's, that's how this, this story comes to a, comes to a close. It, he wants to be like us when we want to know a rule that will help us navigate whether or not to give money to street people. Right? It would be much easier if you said, well, always give a dollar, or never give anything, or take them for a meal, or all the things people do when we talk about uh, people in need of financial assistance. If we had a rule, we wouldn't have to deal with that discomfort of what we now like to call income inequality. The discomfort of having something when someone else has not. The discomfort of what it means to move into right relationship beyond rules. Or imagine... Um, Trying to, trying to have a marriage by following rules. Here's a bunch of rules. Take your role, do what you're supposed to do, and you'll be fine. 
It, doesn't, it might work for some people, but it sounds miserable to me. It doesn't sound fun at all. My middle brother is in the stratosphere of the advertising world, and he, tells, he talks about, with some regret about how when he began his career 35 years ago, he was all about relationships. It was getting to know your client, it was getting to know their business, it was being a problem solver, it was helping the business thrive. And, and what he cared about were the, were the relationships. He says now he's always looking over his shoulder at 30-year-olds who want his job and people who have metrics that what have you done for me lately? How is it going to work? What needs to happen? And he says the fun has really gone out of it because the fun was relationship, not the product about which he often doesn't really care. Right? Um, another friend of mine, uh, he's a Missouri Synod Lutheran pastor, and... Um, and he's, he's pretty hardcore, and he's a, a single-issue voter about abortion, which he considers to be murder. It's the greatest moral uh, issue of our day, and I'm sure he's... I haven't spoken to him since the Roe thing, but I'm sure he's thrilled. That's what he's prayed for, for his whole ministry. And I remember saying to him one time, I said, Peter, if I shared your premise, I would have to agree with you, but I just don't think it's that straightforward. There are so many things about life, and including the life of the mother who's, and, and her body. And there comes a point, of course, when, when, when things change, but, but really, I'm just not with you. And he said, well, I wish you were. I said, but I'm not. <laughs> I think morality is much more complex than that. In fact, the rule is going to make life very, very difficult for a lot of people. Um, the, the rule is going to squeeze out the spirit in some ways in the name of life. I don't know. I think that the do's and don'ts can often be more of a problem than a help. Um, in one uh, further example of how the spirit can break through these do's and don'ts, I may have shared with you before uh, the time when a group of us, in fact, including that Missouri son of Lutheran, had, had a dinner with an Amish bishop. Uh, the Amish are a very conservative Anabaptist sect, if you don't know. You probably might associate them with the horse and buggies that you see in, in various parts of the country. And we had, lunch, we had dinner with this bishop, who was by definition a liberal because he was willing to break bread with us. And it became clear that he had had to shun his own son, who had gone to an even more conservative sect after he'd been baptized. And he explained to us that shunning within their faith is a way of protecting and preserving the, 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 the boundaries of the community. And so someone who goes against the norms of the community is socially avoided and shunned. But this is his own son that he's having to shun. What, how do you navigate that? What does it mean? Well, what, what became clear is that what that meant was when his son came to dinner, he had to be treated as a guest and served his meal and could not be treated as a member of the family and serve himself from the common that's what shunning boiled down to, because in the end, the relationship, the love, was much more important. And it's the love that won out. It's love that came through, even though the rules were something that this bishop valued. For all of us, moral certainty is a very nice thing to have, but it's often going to lead us to miss something about relationship. In the silence that follows, imagine, or bring to mind, perhaps, use it how you will, but perhaps call to mind someone of whom you disapprove, or someone who you dislike, and bring them, 
call them to mind and see if you can't pray for them in a way that moves the possibility of relationship even just a little bit open uh, going forward. In silence and in response to the gospel, let us pray.